Welcome to the Chat Sports Podcast. Today I'm joined by Kwesi Adafo Mensah and Corey Butler. Kwesi has background in finance and is currently studying economics. Corey comes from the University of Georgia and is currently helping out at Stanford's men's basketball program. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Greenwell. Good to be here, man. So, I just wanted to start off. We just had MJ's 50th birthday, and obviously LeBron's been tearing it up lately. So I just want to dive into that debate, beat a dead horse. What do you guys think? MJ versus LeBron. Corey, I'll start with you. You know, I, I, I grew up 90s kid. I grew up with more Chicago apparel for a kid who had never been to Chicago. So I definitely have to go Michael Jordan. He's, he's the greatest one-on-one player to ever play the game. He's the greatest two-on-one player to ever play the game. And he's he has this indomitable will, this this rage, as, as uh, one autobiographer called it. He has this rage that you, you just can't topple. And I don't think LeBron has that yet. And I, LeBron is a great player. He will be one of the greatest players to play the game, but he will not be the greatest player to play the game. I, you know, and I, and I, I, I completely understand that argument. I grew up, I, I grew up a Chicago fan, completely rude against my hometown Sixers with the Bulls. So uh, I, I, I get, I hear about that from my friends pretty much every day of my life. But, uh, you know, I always like to liken watching it's kind of like watching that over-aggressive kid in fourth grade playing volleyball, throwing girls out of the way to get to the ball. <laughs> Whereas LeBron, I don't know, there's just something nuanced about his game. Like, he comes up, he'll, he'll throw that drift screen in the corner. He makes the right basketball play. Like, he, he, you've heard him say, like, he doesn't like shooting two-on-one two when, when he's got a teammate. There's something fundamentally about him that, that makes him not do that. And, you know, as, a, as somebody who grew up watching, you know, I loved I loved Game Six against Utah. You you remember you you remember the great moments, but you also forget the nine for thirties where he's sitting there playing hero ball. Hero ball was the negative term once. You know, like it's uh, it was made because he used to come up on the rock, you know, take shots with guys standing there watching. Him. And so there's a certain part of you that kind of likes a guy making the right basketball play. And the other thing is LeBron is more versatile. One night he can be Scottie Pippen. The next night he can be Michael Jordan. The next night he can guard a point guard. The next night he can be a point forward. He, just, he can do it all. Michael did it one way. He did it amazingly in his one way. But I think LeBron kind of just brings so much diversity to his skill set that it's, you know, I, you can appreciate it. I, again, I, I don't think right now it's even close. He's got to win a couple more rings to, to even enter the conversation. But, you know, when people like Sky Pippen – say that he could be better one day, I think that's what they mean. It's saying that he's kind of a more diverse skill set player than Mike was. Yeah, I, I, I definitely can, can see your point because I, I do enjoy watching LeBron play. And granted, I'm, I'm not watching Michael, and it's a different skill set, you know, of, uh, of an NBA player. But I, I tell you how competitive and how Michael Jordan just – literally hasn't let go of the game just yet. An article came out on ESPN outside the lines by Wright Thomas, and he mentioned that he, because the debate came up about him versus LeBron, and he he has actually been scouting LeBron. Granted, he's an NBA owner, but he, he said, what would he do against LeBron? He said he would push him left because he's already scouted his game. He knows that once he goes left, he's going to pull up for a jumper, and you want LeBron to shoot jumpers. And Michael Jordan admitted that if he let LeBron go right, he said, there's no way I can stop this guy. Yeah, yeah. No way I can stop. So he said, I would just push him left the entire time. Did you see, you know, it was really fun. You saw the All-Star game where Kobe was guarding at the end and he pushed him left and blocked his jump shot. 
Yeah, yeah. He's, I, was, he's, I was cracking up. I thought maybe, I was like, maybe maybe Kobe read the article too. <laughs> but, but you know what's amazing about a person like LeBron and how much he's grown? He'll probably read this article from Michael Jordan, and by next season, he'll be a dominant left driver. Exactly. You, know what I mean? you know what I mean? Like exactly he's, right. He's becoming that player that's that's growing in the offseason. But the only issue for me is just that, that, that killer instinct. He's a great player. He's always been a great in-season player. It's the postseason that that causes some people to to question him, but yeah, as yeah. of last year, you know, he had a, he had a great run in the postseason. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and look, I've never. It, it's funny that I remember the first time I saw him play uh, in high school at St. Vincent's, and I was kind of like, "All right, let's see, let's see what this guy's got." And I was like, "I don't get it. Like, I he doesn't have like he's not very fluid. He in terms of offensive moves, like I, I think if you said purely offensive moves, like playground ability, I don't think he'd be in the NBA top twenty. You know, I take guys like Paul Pierce, absolutely. Durant, you know, the list goes pretty long, but you know, with him, he just does it all on pure ability and and, and basketball sense, which is amazing. But yeah, no, certainly Michael's got better moves. But it's really funny you talk about the competitiveness because one of the great kind of things about that article is the whole like gift and the curse nature of his competitiveness you right. know what I mean you, you look at it and it's like it, it consumes him you know he's not necessarily happy about it he can't let go <laughs> yeah he can't let go he so you, you know go. it's and I always defend LeBron it's like we always look at this one model for success do, do we need this domineering teammate who I mean Jordan famously punched Steve Kerr I mean Steve Kerr how are you gonna punch Steve Kerr man like, he punched a lot of players he punched a lot of players you know and that's one way to win like you know through fear he was kind of a Machiavellian leader whereas LeBron you remember in Cleveland where they would do those family portrait things before games? Like right. it, it genuinely seemed like people liked him as a teammate. It's just a different model. Kobe clearly adds with the, you know, the Machiavellian approach. And personally, I, I like playing with guys who I had fun with. So I think it's a matter of personal preference. Right. Uh, and yeah, you know, obviously, when six rings, you listen. But let's say you know those first five and six years, people weren't very happy. People forget that people were giving Mike the same criticism they were giving LeBron. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. Team, I, I, Go ahead, right? Sorry. Go ahead. As I say, as a society, do we kind of value that killer instinct, that edge, and the fact that you know a guy like Tiger Woods isn't the nicest guy on the planet, but we love that he is as competitive as hell, and when we look at you know LeBron and him kind of forming the superstar group in Miami as a free agent instead of doing it the Jordan way, which was even though he had Pippen, it all came kind of naturally through what they acquired in him being the, the distinct leader. With the edge, you know, you know, I, uh, I honestly value the the a hole approach because sometimes on the basketball courts, I can, I, I honestly become an a hole when it comes to winning, because I, to me, there's there's nothing else. Like I, I don't have to score anything, but at the end of the day, I want to walk away with the win. So I, I value the a hole approach. Granted, I like to have fun, but fun to me, <laughs> sadly enough. It's just winning. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll have fun afterwards rather than during, you know, in order to feel good after after the battle, after the game, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely value Kobe and LeBron's, you know, uh, view. But as, as a player, say, for instance, I'm just a role player on either one of their teams, it, it would definitely suck. But me, myself, I value winning. So I'm, I'm going to deal with it you know i'm going to deal with the harsh consequences of being with someone who's a type a personality yeah no i think as, as ryan was saying like as a society i think we do value these these winners they're the guys who like stare in the in the moment and, and always seem to come out on top but, it, but then it's funny it's the society we're always shocked when we see the downside of that same competitor right. i mean you can't you can't have one without the other you know when 
Mike Mike was a competitor, but he was also up at four, four o'clock in the morning, right before the game against the New York Knicks. You know what I mean? Playing playing blackjack like blackjack. that's the same guy. You can't have right. one without the other. Um, Just, and, you know, it, and it's like you were saying; it's a matter of personal preference. You, you I, I, I haven't played basketball with you, but I could tell you probably were a score. You know, you probably played. Whereas I was a role player. I was a I was a role player my whole whole basketball career. Mm-hmm. If I missed two shots, I'd probably be mentally out of it for the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, guys, yeah. guys, there's guys, you know, my, one of my favorite people in the world, like literally there is not a shot he doesn't think he's making. You know what I mean? <laughs> if he missed 10, that, that 11th one's going in and it's the best shot for his team. Whereas I grew up as a point guard, I grew up thinking, you know, it's my job to get the, the, the highest percentage shot for my team. You right. know? It's, so it's a matter of personal preference. Yeah, see, I would have been the guy yelling at you for you to pass me the ball after you missed <laughs> the first shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but I, I definitely understand it because you, you're talking about a guy who is an ultra competitor. And, and one of my goals was to get to that point because I see that as success where you, you just don't let anything beat you. And it's, I think you're, I think being that, that just being that competitive may be innate because only a few people have it. Like some people, they'll have it to a certain level. But these guys, Kobe, Michael, they're ultra competitors. Like, I mean, Michael, he has to win blackjack he's gambling he's he's doing any and everything like the article mentioned he would run down to the corner store buy crossword puzzles and would have everyone on his you know entourage like race to find the words and yeah. of course michael had to win yeah so I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely real, me. you know it's definitely <laughs> so we, we value the competitor and i look at someone like kobe and it's a very long shot this will happen but what if he got seven rings does he come into this debate now and that this is, and I, I thank you for bringing that up because th- this is where I get, I get upset. When so when Michael comes out and says, you know, five beats one, you know, more often than not, if if Kobe gets seven, nobody is saying Kobe is better than Mike. It's it's not. It's with nobody is making that statement. You'd be shot for making that statement because yeah. you have to always consider these things within context. Kobe was for his first three, he wasn't the best player on his team. He played with the most dominant big man. The vault. I mean, you could argue of all time. It, it. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve, you know, some credit, but it, you have to make these arguments within context. Mike was clearly the best player on his team. It, it was a generational thing. I mean, like he, nobody left that, that 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 experience thinking Michael Jordan wasn't the reason they won. People forget when before they went back to back, they they were the Lakers were a 500 team before they got Pau Gasol. Yeah. Was he the reason they won those titles? I mean, they had a front line of Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, and Lamar Odom. I, I'm not saying it wasn't Kobe making the shots in the fourth quarter, but you know, I mean, if you want to do like you know, kind of a, an experiment, they 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 win a title when Bynum was more valuable than Kobe. But you have to always make these arguments within context, and people I feel like leave out context a lot of the time. You know, I I absolutely agree, and I think the toughest challenge for Kobe is the fact that he's been to two finals and he came up short. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's that's seven championships right there. Yeah. And the fact that Michael Jordan was perfect, Joe Montana was perfect, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it makes it a tough argument for a guy who who really struggled in a lot of seasons, losing in the first round after he's won a couple championships or the year they didn't make the playoffs, you know, and well, I think it was 06 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a tough argument because, like you said, he was second fiddle for the first three. And then he had to add some more pieces for the other ones. And I think that makes it even tougher. So I, I think if he wins seven, he's definitely top five or something like that. But because uh, as much as I love Kobe, I, you know, I hate this. This pains me to say, hey, this, but, you know, I, he's, you know, he'll, he'll never be 
better than Jordan. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a great point with the, the Joe Montana comparison. That's that's dead on. Yeah, Joe Montana won was perfect in Super Bowls. Was he MVP in all the Super Bowls he played in also? Is that right? I don't no, know. I'm not sure. I'm not but Mike sure. was, you know, so, yeah, there is something to be said for whenever you get to the mountaintop, you know, coming out number one. So, yeah. Right. Which pretty much it? means Michael Jordan's the best and, <laughs> and LeBron can't ever. Yeah. Get yeah so how does LeBron, he lost in the finals before. Is that going to haunt him going forward in this debate? It does. It certainly does. I'll, I can't, you know, I'll never be able to explain away what he did against the Mavs. I'll never be able to explain away what he did in Game 5 against Boston. Hey, what about the Spurs when they were swept? Yeah. Well, okay. Okay, but... He was, he was younger then, but hey, that was maybe that bad. <laughs> name me a worse NBA final starting lineup than that. <laughs> I can't. The reason I can't name that. Exactly, that Philly team. <laughs> there's, only, there's only two. So, uh... Yeah, again, it's within context. I don't think, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's something I always try and say. To, to make these statements, in a, a pure experiment, you know, if I think about it, an economic experiment, you'd have to run a control a, a control group, an experiment group. So literally to say that Michael Jordan was better than LeBron, you'd have to give him the same teammates playing the same era against the same schedule, all the same things, and, and see if, if the outcome would be any different. I know that's impossible, and that's why we argue, and that's why sports are great, but... You know, you do have to provide some of the context. And that's why it sucks at the same time, because I want to see these guys play. I know. But I, I, I tell you, I, I forgot who mentioned the point, but they said any day five Michael Jordans could be five LeBron James. And I said, look at, you know, one through five. I absolutely agree with that. Granted, you may have trouble when it comes down to the bigger, like the post players. But, yeah. I mean, Michael Jordan's back to the basket game and Michael Jordan's a post player but Michael yeah. Jordan's also a perimeter player sure. LeBron James is more so a perimeter player when he gets it in the post more, more, more often than not he'll square up an opponent and face the basket because he yeah. doesn't have the Kobe Bryant the Michael Jordan fadeaway game just mm-hmm. yet he doesn't have it, so although there'd be, there wouldn't be enough balls to go around for five Michael Jordan no, 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 no. the other four would be yelling at the other one for not passing it there'd, there'd be a bunch of Jordans punching Jordans <laughs> So looking at looking at MJ's career and LeBron's career, we MJ he kind of had a different path. He wasn't anointed a child prodigy. He wasn't in tenth grade probably one of the top ten or twenty five best NBA players. He got cut, and so kind of looking at that, how do we kind of feel as a society about the future of sports and where we're going with potentially child prodigies being genetically engineered? When we get that advanced in science, that we can dictate what we're looking for and alter genes. Is that something that we're going to look at as being right or wrong in the world of sports? Uh, you know, I don't necessarily see a problem with it because I don't think anyone's taking performance-enhancing drugs. They're not taking HGH, you know, after the, the kid is born or anything. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there was, you know, real quick on the first point. You know, I think there are different. You can see, you can realize the differences between Michael and, and LeBron based on their upbringing. You know, LeBron was anointed in the tenth grade. He, if you look at him, he's the front runner. He, he he plays and acts like a front runner. You know what I mean? Like you know, whereas Mike, it makes the a hole. He was cut. He wants to prove the the world wrong at any expense. So you can you, you can kind of see from their personalities through their different paths. If, if Michael Jordan was a player today and he went through the AAU circuit and was ranked number one in rivals and got, you know, showered with gifts, maybe he wouldn't be the same guy. We don't, we don't know. You know, that those things have an impact on kids. Absolutely. And, and one of the things about Michael Jordan, when he was coming up, 
I forgot one of his good friends that played with him at North Carolina was uh, actually ranked ahead of him and was his roommate and everything. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the guy had no idea, but he inspired Michael Jordan every day to yeah. go out there and kick his butt. Was Just because he was. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was uh, I forgot the guy's name. It was it was a white guy that he grew up with. Buzz Peterson, probably. Buzz Peterson. Yeah, Buzz Peterson, and he was second field to Buzz Peterson according to all the you know ranking talk and everything. And mm-hmm. even when it came to being recruited at North Carolina, and that drove Michael Jordan crazy, and that allowed him to compete every single day because he said there's no way they'll ever consider Buzz to be better than I was. Yeah, as a fuel to his fire. Yeah, that's right. so. so. So, yeah, so maybe LeBron could be that competitive. He, he just didn't grow up in the same environment, you know what I mean, where he was he was never challenged that way. And I think you, you, after he was humbled against the Mavs, I think you've kind of you, – now you're seeing the killer LeBron. Like, well, this, this next five years will be kind of, you know, his measuring stick in my opinion. Hey, let me ask a question. Do, do, when do you think this guy is going to peak? I don't think we've seen it yet. I think you've probably got another year of him truly getting familiar with uh, – the post game, you know, uh, you know, uh, bringing that into his repertoire, and then also the Heat as a team are just kind of gelling. You know, this is, this is year three of the experiment. Last year was a short season, so I think you're kind of, you know, you're you're just seeing. I mean, I don't know the level they play right now is is amazing. I, when they're on their game, it's 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 fun at its purest of basketball. It's just fun to watch. You know, you you. So I don't think he's peaked yet. I don't think. And I, I think now he's starting to he's starting to get thirsty. He's starting to see like you know they won that title, but he knew right. it because of him. So he's starting to he he's starting to flex his muscles. I think three years ago, if Mike had said Kobe versus LeBron, you know I'll take Kobe. I don't think he would have cared. And now I think he cared. You think you know when you, you saw that interview the other day, he looked a little pissed off. I think that's you know, that's the guy we've been waiting to see, and I think he's here. Uh, I think he's, we haven't seen the best of him yet. And, you know, I, I had this debate with uh, someone I worked with in my office because, of course, in my office, we were always talking basketball. And LeBron is built, naturally built differently. Mm-hmm. He, he looks like a genetic experiment. Mm-hmm. He's built differently than any other basketball player out there. And mm-hmm. his, his body can take the pounding. If you look at the number of injuries he's, he's had that, that has kept him out of games, it's very low compared to, well, Michael Jordan, he, he really had one that sat him out an entire year. But LeBron James, he doesn't go through the injuries that all these other players are going through. Yeah, and he's out there on the court every day. He's, he's the youngest to twenty thousand. He's he's on pace to just top everyone to to get to twenty five thousand. It's his 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 body's unreal. His game is unreal. It's very under control. It's very powerful. And I honestly think the guy has eight more years, and he's going to be when he's older. Granted, he's, he's still young. He's, what, 28, 29? Yeah. When he's, I, I honestly think he has 10 more years of dominating play. And someone ten. Looked, You think 10? Yes. I don't know about 10. Some, someone looked at me. Someone said the same thing you just said to me. And I said, <laughs> for some reason, I don't think he has that body that's going to necessarily slow down. Because uh-huh. he's so powerful. He's he's different. He's going to change this game of basketball in ways that it, it, or everyone's going to be like, or trainers everywhere, strength and conditioning coaches are going to be like, how can we model our players to have a body like that that will last forever? Mm-hmm. No, it's possible. Uh, it's possible. At, it's at, like, it's, it's at least eight years. At least eight years. I think eight years. But so much, so much of his game does rely on his athleticism. Where, you know, when Mike came back from baseball, just he kind of he went down the block more. He, he stopped taking to the rack as much. So I think LeBron will have to adjust 
a little bit as his athleticism, I would think, would fade. But you're right, it might not. I mean, he is a freak. But kind of what Ryan was saying was, you know, we, we look at a guy like LeBron or a Dwight, a Dwight Howard, and we say they're genetic. Like, these are, these guys are genetic freaks. They won the genetic lottery. And we, we appreciate them because they're rare. We, you know, I've, we all grew up with people who are good athletes. And then they, those good athletes want to play with other good athletes. And those good, these, these guys, we've literally trimmed off the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, right? So we're looking at the true rare outliers out there. And if we get into a society where we start engineering them, I think it kind of loses the luster. I think we, you stop appreciating the outcome because you're like, well, maybe that could have been me. You know what I mean? I, I never, I don't, I don't watch the NBA and look at LeBron and be like, oh, well, had I grown up in Akron, I would have been LeBron. <laughs> that never comes out of my mouth because it's not true. But, you know, if, if all of a sudden we start, you know, becoming a society of Todd Marinoviches or, or, you know, we, we, you, you engineer piano players, you know, it's just going to lose kind of the, the, the rareness of the outcome because you're going to feel like, all right, well, in, within context, I don't know. Now I don't know. And then that's the same thing with, uh, with performance enhancing drugs. I think that's the thing that bothers people. It kind of, it kind of takes away that fairy tale, like, you know, that myth that, wow, this, this guy beat all these odds. <laughs> Well, now, now we have this question, of, well, if I took those PEDs, maybe I could have been there, which, again, is completely ridiculous because I could take all the steroids I want. I probably couldn't hit a curveball ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my argument with the performance-enhancing drugs and everything, you know when players say they're leveling the playing field in a sport such as cycling with the Lance Armstrong scandal and everything that just happened, I think – Sports is going to come down to the point where everyone is going to do it, and you still have to find the the individuals that will separate themselves. Someone is all you know. It, it, it's just nature. It's, it's someone's going to separate themselves mm-hmm. from the pack, and that's always going to happen. And I think we're moving towards a time where eventually all of the supplements that we're taking, you know, they're going to have some hint of of uh, of an HGH or. Uh, PAPDs or whatever, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to be taking. It's going to be legal, and then eventually it's going to change. It's going to hit the lower systems of, you know, T-ball, and some competitive parent is going to have his kid. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be six feet in like you know the fourth grade, and you know he's out there smashing the T-ball or whatever. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think it's coming to that point that that's going to be normal, and it's going to move up the ranks. And parents are going to see it and say. And for parents that want to leave their kids in that system, they're going to say, well, if I want my kid to be good, he has to do it too because Johnny across the street is doing it and he's dominating the game. But does this then make sports like what the dunk contest is or past Finn's Carter, we really haven't progressed and like everything's been done before. There's no, I'm seeing this for the first time, there's no greatness. I mean, yeah, that what sports have become where we just lose interest because everyone's so talented and there's no progression. I mean, I, I don't think it's that dire that we'll lose interest, but yeah, I think it's, you know, the whole Greek, you know, suspension of disbelief or whatever. You, you, you I watch and and I, I awe, but like in the back of my mind, like yeah, I before that deer antler spray thing came out, I was like Ray Lewis is definitely taking steroids. Like I, I don't know, <laughs> what what other game you're what Lance Armstrong like he's just you, you've. Uh, you've now lost the belief. You, you don't believe in fairy tales. It's like somebody told you Santa Claus isn't real. It's just exactly what Bill Simmons said. And you can still watch sports. You can still appreciate. You, once you lose that kind of childlike belief, it, it does alter the way you you, you view the world. Um, but it, you know, I don't think it's dire. I, I still enjoy watching. I just, you know, I don't. I'm not in awe. I guess anymore. I, nothing. Nothing. Nothing surprises me. You know, I, if somebody asked me what percent of the NFL players were taking performance enhancers. 
it would stun you what I believe, uh, but it does it doesn't really impact the way I feel about them. But it, it does kind of impact the way I feel about the outcome in some way. But in some sports, to me, such as cycling, I mean, I I don't know how far you've ever biked, but for you to for for an individual to bike at their velocity, at, for their duration, you know, up and you know up and down all of these tremendous mountains, you have to take something. You, mm-hmm. whether it's some supplement for football, I think they should put everyone on it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, everyone should just be allowed to take it to maybe raise some of these hits. I don't know. Maybe yeah, you know, yeah. maybe it'll help their recovery process, like creatine does. But I don't know. I, I think sports that require some type of steroids, like baseball, I just think that that performance enhancing drugs and. and maybe some hint of HGH or whatever it is that these guys need steroids in physical sports, such as football and and, and endurance sports, such as cycling and and hockey. Like, I think you should be able to take it to some degree because they're taking such a punishing, it's such a punishing game. But a sport like basketball or a sport like, like soccer, it's, it's such a skilled sport where performance enhancing drugs won't help your jump shot. It won't, it won't help you be able to, I don't know, bend a kick into the goal like a Ronaldo. It's, I don't know. I just think it's a certain degree with physical sports that they should be allowed to take this stuff. I agree. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because it's like you, you kind of gauge the level that of people's caring. Whereas baseball, people are outraged because baseball, in a lot of ways, baseball is you know a battle of today versus yesterday. People care about able to compare Roger Maris and Barry Bonds. Whereas football, a tackle today is a tackle yesterday. A sack today is a sack yesterday. Soccer, right. same thing. Golf, like you said, is a skill sport, so you don't. Well, so, so we kind of make up in our own mind sports that it, it even matters for. And if you're taking in a sport that we don't think it helps you, we wonder why the hell you're taking it. But we don't care. Like if it came out tomorrow that Tiger was taking performance enhancing drugs, I think people would wonder why. But I don't. I really don't think it would tarnish the, the things he's done. I don't think it would tarnish the 14 majors. I don't think it would tarnish all the myriad of things he's accomplished. Whereas in baseball, you know, it's like Barry Bonds committed a crime against humanity. Um, right. And it, that that you know, I mean that that troubles me. But Tiger, they did come out with some talk that he was taking some type of supplement or something from uh, some some doctor he's associated with that was associated with other athletes that were also taking performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, that was and, the furthest. It was just association with a doctor who. Right. So it, nothing was, you know, ever but, proven ultimately proven. So, but no. unfortunately, after all that talk came out and. He he wasn't playing his best his best uh, his best golf, and so people started to wonder: Had he stopped taking this stuff, and had he you know gone clean, and now his game started to suffer mm-hmm. because he wasn't on it. But mm-hmm. golf is still a skilled sport. Granted, you know performance enhancing drugs may help you, you know, whack the ball off the tee and get it a little closer to the hole. But I mean, you still have to have a skill set. So I don't think it's going to affect his game as much. And you could you could all you'd actually argue that you know some of that bulk, that some of that extra bulk. Let's say he was on it. Some of that extra bulk may have contributed to some of the knee injuries he's had and some of the other injuries. And so it might it might actually been a deterrent more than anything. Exactly. Exactly. This kind of like are we even having this debate about genetically engineering someone or PEDs? If we're talking about you know creating amazing piano players or computer science kids that can you know put out amazing code. What is it about sports and this issue that like we have, what societal belief are we kind of you know t- get touching on that 
causes this whole debate to even emerge. Because I, I don't personally, I don't think we're having this debate if we're talking about things outside of sports. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you, Greenwald. That is a great point. We are not having this talk if it's outside of sports. Just ask the NCAA. When it comes down to making money or using your skill set to make money, like a piano player could go out and play in a mall and earn as much money as they wanted to. But as a basketball player, if I decided to go out and play basketball for money, and I'm a, I'm a you know, college basketball player under the NCAA's regulation, they're going to tell me I can't do that. You know, they're going to put a cap on what I can do with my skill set. And so just like with the NCAA, just like with the world, if you, if you genetically engineer uh, a doctor who's, I don't know, maybe he can work 19 hours out of the day, who knows, and he's a genius the entire time, no one's going to say anything. You, you, as a matter of fact, they will say something. They will, they will say, thank you, God. Thank you for this guy, you know? And, but if you do that with an athlete, it's, oh, my gosh, he's not as pure. He's, he's cheating. He's, you know, he, he's, he's bending all the rules. And it's, I mean, to me, honestly, it's unfair, but let's be honest. I mean, being a doctor or, or you know, something else is definitely a little more important than sports. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I, I, I think you're exactly right. I don't think we'd be having this conversation if it were a piano player. And there's kind of like a double standard there. And I can only float reasons as to why I think that is. Maybe it's, you know, we're talking about games here and everybody can think back to the purity of a game when you first start playing a game as a kid. And so mm-hmm. we kind of hold sports to this other standard because yeah, it's this pure thing that you, you, at the end of the day, you have the right to play a game for a living. Um, it could be the, for the fact that, you know, I don't know the first thing about computer science. I can't code. Zeros and ones mean nothing to me. <laughs> but everybody knows sports, you know, pretty much, right? Everybody's Everybody was had gym class. Everybody kind of has some exposure to sports, so it's kind of more relatable. So we can we kind of we can process, you know, good, great in sports versus it could be a great co- programmer. I don't I don't even know what that means. I don't I don't know what a great programmer. I don't. Right. It might yeah, take exactly. a thousand hours, like Gladwell says. It might take you know five minutes. I, I don't know. Um, so you know maybe that's kind of why the double standard exists. But you're you're exactly right. It is. It's, it's interesting that society we care so much about. You know, with, with that walk of life, when way more important things uh, are certainly out there. One, right. one of the things that I, I feel maybe this contributes to, and I'm curious to your guys' take on it, is we play sports as children in recess. We play, you know, we play growing up. Our kids, our parents put us into sports, or we, you know, pick it up at school. We participate in it. So we all associate children with purity at a young age. So does that link between playing sports at such a young age and doing things like that also contribute to our link with children and purity? And we kind of want to, like, hold on to that even though we know the purity is gone. We lose our innocence at a certain age. Is this why we try to, like, hold sports to a pure level to try to retain some of that? I I think that's exactly right. I I don't think I could say any better than that. Yeah, I think that's the exact reason why we do it. There's There's no other reason that grown-ass adults with brains could look at some of these, you know, hyperinflated athletes and, and, and be surprised when it comes out that they're taking performance enhancers. Like, it just, it, it boggles my mind when people are surprised by it. And it's because we, we do want to hold on to that innocence as, as long and as much as we can. And, you know, that's, you know, exa- exactly what you said is, is, is right. I don't, I don't think there's anything you can add to that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point. My only other addition is that, you know, as a competitor, you want to see the game get better. You want to see things change. I'm, I'm a very progressive guy. Unfortunately, when it comes to the game of basketball or any other sport, 
I like to see things change. I like to see things shaken up and, and, and to see, you know, the best of the best. Like, what, what's the limit on the human body? and You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, granted, I love the purity from when I was younger, but, you know, as a guy who, who never reached the mountaintop, I like to watch other guys, you know, succeed and hit new heights. And you say, oh, how did he do that? And then, you know, it may come out later, Barry Bonds is, is juicing or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I like to see it. I like mm-hmm. to see things change. I like to see, you know, how far can we go as humans? But, I mean, granted, it comes with the price. It comes with, you know, the asterisk next to Barry Bonds and will he ever get into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. things like that. So, but I, I definitely agree with you. Well, that was a, an excellent point. Well put. But we all, we grow up and we do, we allow for competition in business and free markets. We we accept that business isn't fair, life isn't fair. So why, why like, I mean, aside from the childhood, like, like why don't we? Why don't we just accept reality with sports and face that it isn't pure? Why, why I, can't I, we face that fact? I, I don't get it. I think it's people at, at its not understanding human nature. If you, if you take if you take something like a professional athlete, where you know if you take this drug, you could potentially sign a contract for fifty million dollars. Versus that's that's an economic right. incentive. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter what utility function you're using. It doesn't matter what school economic thought you are. That. That is a that is an extremely you know you know hard to ignore incentive to cheat, especially <laughs> about baseball where they weren't testing. So you're, if you think about an expected value, well, I'm either going to take this drug and, and get my contract and zero percent chance of getting caught because they're not testing. Like who wouldn't do that? Like it's it's funny when people try and make these moral judgments on these people. I, I think people lack the ability to, to have empathy. Like actually put yourselves in their shoes. If I put myself in Barry Bond's shoes and I was the best player of the 90s and I watched Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa uh, you know, make a, a, a mock record books and they're not getting caught and everybody's just laughing around like they're American heroes, I might have taken it too. I can't sit here and say that I yeah. wouldn't have. Um, so, you know, I think people generally don't either understand human nature or don't want to human nature because it's at the end of the day, it is base. It is, you know, as every philosopher in any time period has ever told us it is base and it is evil we will do things that you know work for our you know in our come out in our best interest so we like sticking our head in the sands every so often exactly but why i don't it it, that's exactly what we're doing as long as we all realize that that's what we're doing i'm okay with it (laughs) but see we 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 always try to figure out a way i like your point about uh, barry bonds and how he you know best player in the 90s and he saw Mark McGuire and all these guys dominating the game. And we're always trying to find a way to beat Father Time. We're always trying to find a way. And and steroids, of course, it does give you some life. Of course, it has so many negative side effects. But the reason is it's not fair is because the people that are really judging, the people that are really judging the game, judging the players, they're people like you, Quasi, they're people like me, they're people like Greenwall, where, you know, we didn't we're just on the outside looking in. We don't have the skill set to play with these guys. And and then there are other people just like us who definitely don't have the skill set. And they couldn't make it to that next level. So they try to figure out, how can I get there? What can I do to, you know, boost my game? I don't know. So let me take a performance enhancer. And, yeah, those dollar signs, I mean, they, they say a lot. They <laughs> say a whole lot. I, I, can, I can promise you this. If you offer me so much money... And, you know, I have a contract on the table. I need to sign this deal. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to figure out the best way. And if they're not testing, I, and if, 
And if my skill set isn't that good, and I probably, you know, I'm not a long ball hitter, you better believe I, I probably will, especially for those dollars. Those dollars say a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the thing is, it, it, people act like it doesn't happen in other walks of life. I, I, I came from finance, and I was a, a, a trader. And we always used to joke, if there was some magic pill that you could take that would make you, you know, the best trader, and you wouldn't get caught, but it's illegal, you wouldn't you wouldn't really think about taking Think about all the people who do insider trading, yeah. things like that. They know it's illegal, um, but, you know, there's a very limited chance you're going to get caught. If you do get caught, you pay, you know, you pay some fine related to how much you made, so you still might end up coming out on top. And then, again, there's the chance that you won't get caught, and in which case you keep all the ill-gotten profits. Very so. And it, it happens in all walks of life. It's not like this is just sports. This is purely human nature. I think people, it, it's like, and again, it's back to Greenwald's point. It's you know, people have this purity, purity attached to sports. So it's ah, oh, it's you know, wailing and gnashing of the teeth. It, I, I just, but it's it's a failure to recognize human nature. It happens in all walks of life. We just care more about sport. I mean, ask John Calipari. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I mean, honestly, I'm you know, he he does it better than almost anyone. Where. You know, people know he's doing it. You can't catch the guy until he leaves the school. <laughs> and then just, by the time you leave, the coach the coach doesn't have to suffer the infractions. It's, it's the university and the players left behind. So, I mean, I, this guy does it better than anyone. I'm not around the game. I, I just I, – you hear these rumors about a guy like him. And, uh, first of all, Coach Cal is probably my favorite guy. His 96 refused to lose UMass squad is probably my favorite college team of all time. So, mm-hmm. um, but – you know, you hear these rumors, and it's I, how is it if if, I, if a guy like me who doesn't know anything hears these rumors, how 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 does the NCAA not know them? How does how does he not get? I just really I think it might just be over. Actually, I'm putting my head in the sand, aren't I? I'm putting my. Head in the <laughs> <laughs> there's just no like, there's no reason not to cheat because, as Corey said, you could you could hop ship. I mean, in a country where you get your hand cut off for stealing a candy bar, there's no stealing. I mean, yeah. we really yeah. want to do things. And de-incentivize it. We make the punishments way worse, but we choose not to. So we leave that little loophole in society to be like, yeah, you know what? We don't like you doing this, but we secretly want you to do it and stick right. in the sand. And well, you're, you talking to, you're talking to an SEC guy here. And, you know, people among, around the SEC, they talk. And, you know, they were talking when, when Cal was at, uh, at Memphis. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you, you had other coaches around the league, especially for basketball, oddly enough, for basketball that were, you know, recruiting guys planning to pay guys you know we we had a couple of recruits recruits that came to georgia and they were talking about you know they went on a recruiting trip and this coach out at uh, some school in uh california i'm not going to say the name bring wall um, you know they, they dropped some money and they tried to recruit one of our guys but you know he signed with georgia and he didn't take the money and same thing happened up at uh at another sec school that you know you, you hear these stories all the time from the players themselves and it, it, it's, it's so common. It's, and I know Coach Cal, he's, he's a great recruiter. I was, uh, I was saying that, you know, I, I think it's a common occurrence. And I think that guys like Coach Cal, they're using PEDs, a.k.a. money, and they're one of the top recruiters out there. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. When we talk about college basketball, I think people look the other way. I don't think that's a case of head in the sand. I think we look the other way because – we don't blame the coaches. We blame the system. You know, any any market where you, on you know, you don't use market forces to restrict. Where you, sorry, where you, yeah, where you don't allow market forces to work. There's going to be black markets when you make when you make drugs illegal. There's going to be black markets for for coke or whatever drug you need. 
And if you so if you limit the ability to pay players for a service that people clearly value, well then there's going to be right. a black market. You know, so and I, I don't do I do I blame a kid uh, who might not come from a good circumstance for taking money to go to go all, do something he's going to do for free? No, I, I certainly don't. Do Absolutely I, not. And do I blame a coach for? Maybe setting up, hooking a recruiter up to a kid. To a kid, that's just a, that's an efficient transfer. If, if some guy wants to pay some kid for his service, so he could go win a few NCAA tournament games, wh- who who are they ultimately hurting? You know. Um, so I, I think in that regard, we turn the other way because morally, we feel like we're in the right. Um, so I think that might be one of those cases where that's not the head in the sand. I think we're actually making a, a rational, objective decision to not care. I, I yeah, agree, exactly. We could definitely be doing more if we want to dis- de-incentivize that. The punishment could be a lot more gruesome or cruel if we really want to get rid of these sort of little things that we kind of like to with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on a kind of a different subject here with purity, one aspect of purity that we don't mind when we're looking for mates, you know, girls kind of look at a guy's bank account or what the life and the family style is going to be. And as males, we kind of look at, you know, how, how tall she is, how athletic she can be. When we hit the genetic lotto, or at least for someone like me, can create a punter. You know, I'm not looking for the all-star. But we don't seem to mind that aspect of, you know, people kind of pairing up to kind of create that because we hold this, like, this aspect of love or something around it. Yet when we do other aspects of things to create, you know, the prodigy, Everyone frowns upon that, and I'm just—it's just a funny little thing, and I was curious what your guys' take is on that. Well, first of all, uh, the person who said that uh, women look at bank accounts, his name is Ryan Greenwald. He's yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with that, uh, but no, it's—I think you're, you're you're right again. Um, you know, I I know I look for I'm a, I'm six four. I, I care that my my wife. Or my my wife to be would be tall uh, for various reasons. I, I I like physically. I like tall women, but I also think about my kid. Yeah, I want. It would be cool to have a tall kid. Uh, you know, empirically, tall kids do better. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and whether that's because there's some some blink uh, reasoning going on in people's minds or whatever. But yeah, I think you know I care that my kids might have the potential to be tall. But I, I think the difference is. With gen- engineering versus me picking a partner that kind of matches what I want is there's there's that natural element to it. There's that organic element to it. When people talk about the difference between Kevin Durant and LeBron James, they, there really is no difference. They both play for talented teams, but Kevin Durant gets credit because his is more organically done. You know, it's done through the draft. They kind of build and sweat together, whereas LeBron sort of is seen as this mercenary. Um, so, you know, in this society, we clearly – we, we, we just want, we want, again, we want a reason to suspend belief. We want a reason to believe that this was organically and naturally done. Um, so I, I kind of think that's the, that's the difference, but in, in all, in all honesty, it is the same thing. It really is. It, it kind of is the same thing. I mean, me, I'm, I'm sort of improving the probability that my child is a certain physical characteristic. So am I engineering? Yeah, in some ways I am. But again, there's that, or there's that organic element to it that probably will make people not, judgment the same way and you know I, I i think you see this all the time where you look at a guy like darren collins who played at ucla i forget which team he plays for now uh, in the nba but i mean his parents were both athletes i mean track athletes and this guy became a you know pretty darn good basketball player i think you see it happen often where nba players when they when this when sometimes when they look past the looks 
they go for other attributes to their mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend, she's she's five nine. She she plays soccer. I'm six three. I play basketball. That definitely ran heavily through my mind when I when I was when I, you know when we were dating when I was courting her. That ran heavily through my mind because I sorry Greenwald, but I don't want short kids. <laughs> I, you know, as, as a basketball coach, I'm already recruiting my kid. I, I want them to be, you know, six, seven, you know, point guard, whatever. I want them, you know, it, just just in general, just I want them to be able to, I want them to be an athlete. I want them to, you know, be able to play a sport, but also have intelligence and be able to be a student as well. And, you know, if they decide not to play a sport, so be it. But I don't know. I I, I know that I'm doing that. I am guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not I and mean, not everybody thinks that way. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely not everybody thinks that way. But you know, some people do, and I think it's it's it's, it's, it's a matter of personal preference. Uh, right. Yeah. Again, we still have that organic element. Even though you're going to marry, let's say you marry a five nine soccer player, there's a chance your kid just grows up to be a really smart dude and, be, and it becomes yeah. a doctor. There's a, there's a chance. We're still there's still you know a different outcome that could come. Whereas genetic engineering, you're kind of ensuring the outcome. And I, again, people like to appreciate rare. People like to appreciate things that aren't expected. And all if, if we're engineering kids, then all of a sudden it's expected, and then it kind of loses its luster. So I think that's the main main difference there. But we're just improving the odds, and I, <laughs> we're improving the odds, but we're not we're improving the odds, but we're not fixing them. I think that's right. The, that's right. The, so like it's we, the we, element we, of uncertainty that we love in all of sports that also translates to tears. That will we kind of not knowing the outcome or leaving, I think, leaving I mean, it for I, chance. I think so. That's why we watch. That's why we sit there and and, and wait. And we don't TV sports because we we care about the outcome. We want to talk about it. So, yeah, I think that's the main difference. We we all love that uncertainty. And those who yeah, never end up at the casinos a little too often. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I definitely agree. I, I, but I, I, I see it often, though, where a lot of my teammates, they're, they're dating girls from the volleyball team. You know, these guys are 6'7". The girls on the volleyball team are 6'4". So, I mean, you know, I, I think their first thought is, the girl is beautiful. I really love her. And she's tall. You know, she has all these other attributes that, you know, are just a big plus. I, I think they're thinking the same thing. They want athletes. They want, you know, this and that. So... By the, way, by the way, they're showing the Jayhawk Harlem Shake on ESPN right now. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, it is. It is absolutely great. Is it the one where they're in the locker room? Yeah, we're in the locker room. Yeah, it's, it's great. It is so good. The by the way, you should, check out, you should check out the one of the kids on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge on YouTube. It's really good. Why, by the way, why they got to call it the Harlem Shake? Do they forget that we remember the actual Harlem Shake? Like I don't know. Man. I, I, I tweeted one of my friends. I said, P. Diddy. And the Bureau of Harlem would be very disappointed in this attempt at a Harlem Shake. And then I found out what it was, and I was like, oh, okay. But it's still not the Harlem Shake. It's not the Harlem Shake, though, yeah. No, not at all. These kids nowadays, these young bucks. (laughs) Let them know. (laughs) Pretty sure anyone with an email account now has done a Harlem Shake video. (laughs) Exactly. But, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys joining me today. I think if we have a tip for the week... It'd be, you know, don't be surprised if a guy's uh, hat size grows when he's an adult. Just don't be surprised. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I means he's, he's doing the Barry Bonds. He's taking steroids. <laughs> so, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, and I uh, hope everyone has a good time out there listening. And we hope to be back on pretty soon and getting these out regularly for everyone. 
Appreciate everyone listening to the Chat Sports, I guess, beta version since we're in San Francisco and not the first or initial. Mm-hmm.